Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yes, what is up, everybody? And welcome to another exciting installment of the Kago Lasso podcast, where today... We're going to talk about a far from wonderful Manchester United performance. You like what I did there? But Anthony Ilaga comes to the rescue against Atletico Madrid. Sebastian Allaire scores on both ends as Ajax's perfect run comes to an end in Lisboa, also known as Lisbon. I'm Jimmy Conrad, and I'm here with James Benj, and we're recapping the final two first leg ties of the Champions League round of 16 because the Kegelasa podcast begins right now. All right, everybody, if you're watching live on the YouTubes, go hit that like, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification so you never miss an episode of this. It only takes a second and doesn't cost you anything. Also, leave us some comments. What did you think about these games in particular? <laughs> Manchester United, bless you to James Benj over there. We're not we're not ready to talk to you yet, James. Your, also, your, one, you're your wonder here, pun made me feel sick. Uh, well, it's what I do. It's what I do. Also, if you guys are listening to this in podcast form, and you might be, that's really nice. We appreciate that. What's even nicer, though, subscribing and then leaving us a five-star review because that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Don't you want that for us? I think that you do. All right, James Bench, let's get into this first game, Atletico Madrid versus Manchester United, which ended 1-1. Now, I think it took Manchester United about 75 minutes to get a shot on goal. But when they did, they ended up scoring. Ilonga scored a nice goal, nice little sequence there off of uh, Atletico Madrid throw-in, which led into a couple one-touch passes. Fred, actually, a nice little play into Bruno Fernandez's path, which allowed him to take the space in front of him, who then laid it into the path of Ilonga, and then he slots at home. I think that James Ben needs some water. He's choking on all this excitement around Atleti versus Manchester United. So, Can I just James, say- talk, talk to me. Talk to me. Yeah, I, I can't believe that's the Man United passage of play you picked out. Which is... <laughs> I... I I can believe, I can believe that they drew, drew this because this is Manchester United in the Champions League all over, isn't it? This is everything they did in the group stage as well, where they played diabolically. But this was sort of like the peak version of that. For most of this game, most of these players were atrocious. You know, this was cataclysmically bad football. It's the sort of stuff that if I saw this uh, AFC Wimbledon or Shrewsbury Town, I'd go, Who's coaching them? What are they doing? <laughs> you know, Bruno Fernandes, Vitisha <laughs> uh, Hantaraja, the independent, did a brilliant thing where he said uh, a gift from Space Jam where Charles Barkley, you remember when he's had all yeah, his yeah. powers drained from him and he doesn't have to dribble a ball? That was Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> this, and, so, and he was, well, you know, I've done, just done my player ratings. He, I'm not even sure he was the worst player on the pitch. Okay, well, Marcus, I'm, 
I can't wait to see your player ratings. And I encourage everybody to go read threes. that. But all threes, which is amazing. But look, talk to me about the – before we take – maybe we should have done this right from the beginning. Talk to me about the starting lineup because I thought Lindelof at right back was a bit of a risk. And then you've got Pogba partnering with Fred, which, again, is a bit of a risk just because I just don't think they're as balanced as they need to be. And everywhere else seemed okay. No problems there. But those two spots in particular jumped out at me. What were your thoughts when you saw this lineup drop? Yeah, I, I agree with you that kind of everything further forward made sense. But I think we all sort of spent time kind of going, trying to work out what the Lindelof thing was. Was it going to be three at the back, which you thought, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. you know, match match Atletico system? Or was he just going to play, you know, one one centre-back at right-back when he has two right-backs who have, mm-hmm, Dallow's mm-hmm. been performing well. I can see the logic of having Wan-Bissaka in a European game when you need to, away from home, when you need to be solid defensively and not let anything in. It was, it was bizarre. It felt really self-defeating. And I think the same with Fred and Pogba and obviously McTominay was ill, so he couldn't play. But it, you know, it, it's great having, you know, this attacking talent, but this is kind of like trying to build a, a skyscraper on the beach. You know, you, you've not got strong foundations. It doesn't really matter how ex- exciting the, the the top looks because it could all fall down at a moment's notice. They couldn't play out from the press. In in Ranić's defence, I don't think he could have imagined that Rafael Varane would have been this bad. I've never seen him play so badly. But right, you know, you, right. you, you've you've set your team up in a way that maybe you know a Matic that comes really deep into you know basically functions of, as a third centre back would have been really good for this game and when right. he came on he he did exactly that he just calmed things down made sure there was an out ball and Atleti's press was was not quite as devastating this was it was a really peculiar selection I don't know what, what you think on that Jimmy well no I I agree I thought it was a bit surprising I thought Pogba was good against Leeds and if you want to continue to get him minutes he played 60 against Leeds ended up playing 65 66 Today, you want to get him fresh, ready to go. We know that when Pogba's on, he is world-class. There's no question about that. It's still a matter of balance. I mean, even when Fred came in against Leeds, the game was in the balance at 2-2. And they just seemed like him next to McTominay felt a little bit better. Like, that's just how the team is comfortable. Whether you love it or not, that's just how the team is comfortable. And they just they seem like everything, their, their, their universe is uh, more at peace, I'd say, with those two there. Even though it makes a ton of sense as to why you'd want a player of Pogba's quality in that area of the field. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to work out uh, the way that you want. But I get that one. The Lindelof one, though, was a little bit interesting for me. He's been playing pretty well, all things considered. But I think he's not a guy that you want to trust bombing forward. But I thought the same as you. Maybe they were going to go in a back three and match it. So it was interesting. And and it didn't change my prediction. I said a 1-1 draw. You went on CBS Sports HQ and said a 1-1 draw as well. So we're goddamn geniuses right now, James Bench. But, you know, it's... Uh, it was hard fought, and and they even though they had sixty four percent possession, United they didn't really do much with it, and it just felt like Atleti were a little bit more dangerous and a little bit more. You could see them a little bit more hunger. I don't know urgency. I felt like once there was some subs that were made, it felt like there was maybe a little bit more urgency that crept into the game, and then they were rewarded with the goal, and then it was like, oh man, United might actually steal this one at the very end, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I felt like the draw maybe was a fair result. Um, there are parts of my life that I want back, and sometimes I want a lot of my minutes of my life back when I'm watching Manchester United play. This might have fallen into some of it. Uh, I thought the last 10, 15 minutes was pretty exciting, but outside of that, pretty much felt like one-way traffic. Great goal, though. I don't want to take anything away from Atleti. Good ball by Renan Lodi to, to Joao Felix with a tremendous world-class header. Harry Maguire, nowhere to be seen. 
can't really happen on, on a corner kick. Even when it gets cleared out, you still have to be kind of switched on, especially as a defender, as a captain. I, you got to be sure. Go ahead. Can I ask you something about that? This was kind of mentioned on the UK broadcast. Um, Rio Ferdinand said that if you watch it, because Felix sort of peels round the back mm -hmm. of Maguire and Shaw. Yeah. You know, if you were in Harry Maguire's position, what would you be saying afterwards to, to Shaw as your left back? I would be saying you got to let me know that he's coming, you know, because Shaw, he's in his area. But when you start the, if you start the, 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 the corner, the original corner, Joao Felix is wide open. And this is my problem with zonal marking because once the ball gets cleared, when you're, when you're zonal marking on a defensive set piece, when the ball gets cleared, you feel like you're free of your responsibility because you don't really mark anybody. But mm. if you had man marking there, then really the rule of thumb is as a defender is you can't leave your man until the ball is cleared 60 yards up the field or out of bounds and then everybody can get reset. But because there's zonal marking and Joao Felix didn't have, I'm honestly, James, he had nobody marking him, not even close to anybody marking him. So then when he recirculates his run, there's no responsibility. Nobody's responsible for him. So yes, I mean, Harry Maguire needs to be able to look over his shoulder. It's part of the job, right? You got to have your head on a swivel. But but the fact that he didn't, and then Joao Felix just makes a good, hard-timed, well-timed run on a very, very good cross. And sometimes there's just nothing you can do. However, if Harry Maguire had been switched on, he could have maybe got an arm on him to slow him down, which obviously if he just slows him down by point. 005 seconds or whatever, Joao Felix doesn't get there and his timing's off and they probably don't score. I mean, there's another thing I, I wanted to pick this up on from the comments, um, just going off on a bit of a tangent, but I, I think you've explained that That's much better do. than I can because <laughs> you you have, have done this before. But I mean, Natalie Cross was saying this, that, that Bruno was way better before Ronaldo joined. And I, I totally agree with that comment. But there's also when we when when I when that popped up on our screen, we were talking about Pogba. And it just makes me think the sort of the multiplicative impact of bringing in all these stars that really just don't fit together. And going back to what we were saying about Pogba, you had him sat in a, in a midfield two, which he only does well in when he's next to N'Golo Conte, because we'd all look good next to, to Conte. I mean, <laughs> we all agree Pogba's a fantastic player, but, but maybe not in that position when he doesn't right. have someone that good. But then, but now Bruno, you know, that's been done to make room for Bruno, who is clearly chafing up against playing alongside Ronaldo because because that that those two, I don't know why really, but they don't fit. That wasn't news to United. We saw it at Portugal, mm -hmm. and it's just this is kind of why I think when 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 things go wrong, they can't help but fall into hero ball. We saw this with Rashford taking shots from thirty mm -hmm. yards out. We saw this with Ronaldo just going everywhere to get the ball when you were like stay in, stay central same with Pogba I mean for, the only reason you could say Fernandez wasn't doing hero ball is it was like mm, you were very much the villain of the piece today Bruno right and that that for me is you know that when when things go wrong for Liverpool City even to an extent Atletico maybe not this season but for a long time there was sort of this thing they could fall back on Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had this as well in your career. It, it, things aren't quite working out. Let's go right back to plan A. You know, they don't have plan A. They don't have mm -hmm. anything, any underlying principles. So you do, you, just, you, you keep falling and falling and falling. Okay. Now, before I ask you my next question, I want to give a shout out to uh, Natalie and, and Dan and Ilyas, who are regulars in our community and in the comment section. We appreciate you. We want to give you a shout out. If you're new here, though, and want to be uh, get some more shout-outs from us, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Leave some comments. Let us know what you're thinking about this Manchester United performance. And also, conversely, how Atletico Madrid did. I guess my call to action here is, who do you think is going to feel worse or better 
about this result? Who feels better about this? I guess United does. They kind of scraping to get a result heading back to Old Trafford for leg two. Now, you brought up Marcus Rashford, and I want to go off on a tangent a little bit here because this guy's a tremendous human being. That's been proven uh, off the field countless times, uh, what he's doing to make the lives of people better. And But it seems like maybe there's been an emotional sacrifice to go with that because last last couple seasons, he's been a guy, I think especially in the Champions League, that you can count on. He has somewhat of a clutch gene. I just remember that game in Paris where he just was such another level against PSG. I'm like, God, this guy loves the responsibility. But he's been a little quiet, I'd say, overall this whole season where he hasn't really stepped up and and been that guy that we know he's capable of being. Do you think it's the off-the-field stuff of being such a, a, a massive humanitarian that that has an emotional cost? And, and maybe lacking some focus there? Or do you think it's just him being tired? There's a lot, like, obviously, to unpack there. And I don't want him to stop doing the humanitarian stuff. That's mm. not what I'm saying. But but, Or do you think it's the arrival of Ronaldo, who also hurt Jaden Sancho for a while, or now the change in man- managers and a bit of an injury? Maybe it's a combination of everything. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Marcus Rashford. I think it is a, it is a, a combination of everything. And um, kind of, as you say, nothing but, you know, pride for you know share it being able to sort of share a, a country with Marcus Rashford he makes you feel very proud to be British from from my perspective um and I, you you wouldn't want him to stop that and I don't really think that's stopping him playing good mm-hmm. football I think maybe the sort of emotional heft of the whole summer where you include the Euros you include so many things mm-hmm. maybe that impacted only he will know mm-hmm. but I think more what it was for for me is it, I, he he just he's not getting consistency you know even in this game he was right flank one one minute left flank the next he's kind of been in and out of the team which is understandable because maybe he's not delivering earlier on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in the season and he's coming back from injury uh, and just like so many players he's got behind him that these shaky foundations a team that really isn't kind of able to get into the transition moves it it really liked playing under Solskjaer and yeah I think all of that adds up and I think he still because it matters so much to him because he's so talented he tries to win it all for United when maybe they just need him to do less yeah yeah no, it's a good shot. Maybe less is more. Maybe that's the way forward for him. But uh, I think he's a tremendous player. I've always been a big fan, and I hope that he can regain uh, that world-class form that we know he's capable of. All right, let's talk a little bit about Atletico Madrid because for a while they were in complete control of this game. You knew that United were probably going to get a chance or two, and it's just a matter of whether they finished it or not, and they did. This Atleti team does have a, a penchant for giving up leads this year, for being a little leaky defensively, which is kind of anti-Diego Simeone and his style of play, that usually when they got a 1-0 result in the past, that would be it. Or if they were up 1-0, they would lock it down. Almost Thomas Tuchel-like, right? If Chelsea goes up 1-0, you just know that's that's pretty much it. You might get a half chance here or there, but but uh, you better make the most of it. Otherwise, you're not going to get another one. And I feel like Atleti have lost that a little bit. And it's unfortunate because I thought, to, for the on the balance, I thought they'd put together a pretty good performance what do you think of their starting lineup first and foremost? Luis Suarez, who scored a great goal against Osasuna on the weekend, didn't start and also didn't get risked. Even though he was on the bench, he didn't play. Griezmann ended up coming in, even though he's been out for a while with an injury himself. Pretty good lineup, all things considered, given the injuries that they have, some suspensions as well. What do you think of it like these performance today? Yeah, well, I mean, it worked. So, you know, a lot of credit goes to the lineup. I thought that the the half chances to counter that United had in the the 
the first half were really well snuffed out. I really like Ronaldo. I thought he had a good game, but I mean, ahead of him, Renan Lodi was was fantastic. And I just mm. thought there was a group of players there that were so smart in reading the game that was in front of them. You know, Lodi kept going, kept attacking, and Carrere and, or, or Felix, particularly Felix actually, would drift out to that left flank and, and mm. help him. They saw that Lindelof was getting absolutely no protection, that you could beat him one-on-one every time you wanted to. And that's where the joy came. I think what was strange, maybe, um, we're getting some love for Hector Herrera as well. I thought he was great, maybe not in the same showy way that Condogbia just kind of bulldozed through this midfield. But Herrera was so strong, composed, intelligent. Um, those two just... It's so it's, it's sometimes a little hard to judge after a game like this because when United have been so poor, you don't know how much of that was forced on them by Atletico. But I, I thought mm-hmm. the midfield... The contrast was really sharp. These players were dynamic, getting the ball up the pitch, not making silly mistakes, everything that United weren't. But having said that, I don't know about you, I just kind of felt, after I didn't really realise it until after United had equalised, but it just felt like Atletico had maybe taken their foot off the gas a little it bit. Did. I don't know if they thought yeah. they'd won it. I don't yeah. know. What no, do there think? was something that changed, and maybe it was the subs at that point where the energy changed and... And once the subs got made, I'm looking at Atletico made two with Lamar and Griezmann in the 76th minute. They took on took off Lodi and 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 Joao Felix, who combined for the goal. You know, it seems pretty like for like changes, but maybe they needed a little bit of reinforcement, maybe some more energy either in the back or or in the middle of the park, just to really lock it down. Because you're not really changing too much. You could have brought in somebody else, you know, to help lock that I, down. I think you know rightly. Ralph Rangnick will will get criticism for not making changes at half time. I think there's an argument that Diego Simeone should have gone for the throat there, mm-hmm. and maybe not at mm-hmm. half time, but when it became apparent. And literally the first the first passage of play after the half time whistle is Fred trying to clip a ball to Victor Lind a, a, a Lindelof he thought would be overlapping, and Lindelof's mm-hmm. like, "Mate, I'm not overlapping. Have you seen all the problems I'm getting?" Here? <laughs> if I'd yeah, seen that funny. as yeah. Simeone, you know, I would be saying to Luis Suarez and Griezmann, you know. Get train, get you, get on. Get, we're getting you on soon. I think there was a, a time when this game could, this tie could have been killed off, and I think Atleti will think we let that. Slip yeah, out I mean, of our hands. they didn't make their subs till the seventy sixth minute, you know. And I think you're right. I went with ten minutes before and sixty sixth minute is when Rangnick made his subs, and everybody, I was even I sat here watching, going, Juan Basaka in for Lindelof. Okay, or at least you get a right, you know, more a player playing in his better position. Matic coming in for Pogba, get some tired legs. And then a couple of minutes later, or Alex Tellis comes in for Luke Shaw. And it's almost like he refreshed the areas that were getting overrun, you know, or looked like they were getting overrun. I know they're still trying to manage Pogba's minutes. And then you bring in Ilonga for, for Rashford, who had, you know, Rashford had not really made the impact that uh, I'm sure he would have wanted in, in this particular game. And I feel like the freshness in those areas did allow United to kind of regain some territory in those spots in particular. Not to say that's what led to the goal, but it just felt like it gave them some freshness that maybe they were lacking. And um, I don't know. These are these are interesting interesting things to to dissect. But very quickly about Hector Herrera, he looks like he he might be leaving Atleti. There's a lot of talk about him going to the Houston Dynamo in MLS, which would be a great signing for the league and for Houston in particular. But given how well he played today for Atleti, I wonder if that move wouldn't happen until the summer because I'm sure he'd like to see out this run that they're currently on and obviously help Atleti get to top four. But uh, any other players that really stood out for you with regard to Atleti? And, and 
as you answer that, give me the kind of a early, early preview based on what you saw in leg one. Who do you like in leg two? Yeah, sadly, the player that stood out was was Jan Oblak. Um, in my previous stuff, I, I was watching a lot of the goals he conceded. I think sometimes he's just been unlucky that he's just had these absolute rockets fly past him. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. it was a bit like he was a sort of marionette being controlled by someone that, that doesn't know how to do goalkeeping up above him in the sky. Mm-hmm. And his positioning was disastrous for Alanga's goal. And, you know, you see it. Alanga just looks up and goes. Yeah, he, like, he, drifted, he drifted a little bit too far to his yeah. left, right? Yeah, it was really yeah. Alanga sees it, credit to it. Proper veteran move because there's a whole corner of the goal empty there. I should probably just kick it in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, looking ahead to the second leg, I think that you have to lean to United. I think slightly they are they can't be that bad again. They just, no no football team could be that bad again. Um, <laughs> Don't put it past them. That might be a trick. challenge. I, I'm kind of writing my column thing, and I am a bit like this is Man United's hold my beer game, where every time you go well. <laughs> There's not going to be anything worse than that. They find something. Um, but I think they've got away with a, a really bad performance and they will be better. And maybe, um, you, you know, maybe Atle- I mean, that, Alati were good. Maybe they won't be this good again next time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm favoring United. Well, in their home games so far in the Champions League group stages, United beat Villarreal 2-1. They beat Atalanta 3-2. They came back, if you remember that one, last minute, Cristiano Ronaldo. And they drew with Young Boys 1-1 on the last match day so yeah that's uh that's interesting there's still no clean sheets uh in there so we'll see if atleti's got it in them atleti i don't feel like they travel so well in europe but i guess we'll have to wait and see all right now before we take our break and get into benfica ajax i do want to say that there were some premier league games that were going on bench and i wanted to get your your quick thoughts and reactions to some of these score lines because burnley beat tottenham 1-0 spurs are gonna spurs everybody liverpool Absolutely decimated Leeds, 6-0. I'm just waiting for Marcelo Bielsa, the manager of Leeds, to hand in his resignation. And Watford lose at home to Crystal Palace 4-1. to Any initial thoughts on that bench? Yeah, I think we'll maybe know with that Burnley Spurs result what it means for top four tomorrow night when Arsenal have played Wolves. And that might, you know, Arsenal maybe, yeah, this yeah, may be the game point. they pull clear. I think maybe the real interest is at the, is at the bottom half of the table because... Leeds are falling like a stone. They are really flying out of shape. Burnley are looking good. And mm-hmm. I think we all expect Burnley to just do what they need to do to stay up. So I think you are now almost looking at, I think Watford are gone. Norwich are probably gone. And suddenly Burnley are dragging a lot of teams, including Leeds, including Brentford, including Everton. They're dragging them all together. And I think this is going to be a proper scrabble for uh, to stay in the light over the last... 12 or however many, I mean, God knows how many games it is with all these postponements. But uh, yeah, the relegation battle is going to be tasty. It's going to go to the wire. And uh, I cannot now see Burnley being the team that ends up going down. I don't know about No, they're playing really well. Now, Brentford's in 14th on 24 points. They played the most games, though, 26. Leeds have played 25 games on 23 points. Everton, 23 games on 22. Newcastle, 24 games played, 22 points. Burnley now... On 20 points after 23 games. They got a game in hand on a couple of these teams. Unbelievable scenes that we're seeing. They've uh, un- Five out of the last six have either been draws or wins. Pretty good. I-, I think this is the most exciting sort of relegation battle is when you have like the team. And to be fair, Watford and Norwich have done this a bit as well. But when the teams that are, have been hanging around for a while just start moving quickly, Newcastle are doing this as well. 
and it's like teams that thought they were safe and thought they were pretty close are suddenly they're like looking down going a 30 points has been enough to stay up this for a lot of seasons of late i don't think it will be this season yeah, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully my Newcastle is one of those that stays up because it would just yeah. suck to go down with all that oil money. You know, what are we going to do? You know, <laughs> just, you know, just buy the cha- We just buy the whole league and buy make sure league. that we're the champions. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to break down Benfica versus Ajax. It was a cracking affair. So do not go anywhere. Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Kegelasso podcast. We're doing a little recap of the last games of the round of 16 first leg in the Champions League. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside James Benj. And of course, we want to make sure you guys hit like and subscribe and turn on your notifications. Leave us comments if you're watching on YouTube. And then, of course, subscribe and uh, give us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. That would mean a lot to us. Now, Benj, let's get into this. I had Ajax winning this one quite easily, given how well they played in the group stages. They had six games there. They won all six of them. They are on top of the Eredivisie. They've played 23 games in Holland. They've scored 70 goals in those 23 games. And I think even more impressive, they've only given up five goals in 23 games in the RDBC. That's that's pretty ridiculous. But they come into Benfica, who have a long history of, of they've won this competition before in the European Cup. They they uh they produce some special players. The most recent one will be Darwin Nunez, who I think the number nine for them, he'll probably get sold in the summer. And they go up early. Dusan Tadic scores a great goal, and then Sebastian Allaire, who's leading the golden boot race in the Champions League, he gets an own goal, so that doesn't actually count, but at least he's scoring in the Champions League. But doesn't five minutes it? later. His head doesn't go down, Bench. He comes back and scores a goal that says quick reactions, beats Vertonghen to uh, the rebound, and then makes it 2-1. And then Benfica basically turned it on the rest of the way. I thought was really impressed with Benfica. They end up getting uh, another goal by uh, Yaramchuk to make it 2-2. 
and they probably deserved all three points and three points in a, in a two-legged tie, but they deserved the win. I thought they just, they just were more proactive. And it seemed like to something you had said before about Atleti, Ajax just seemed to get kind of casual that it's almost like they already thought they won because they had the two leads. Okay. One zero when it went to one, one, that was unlucky. It was an own goal that happens, but then they just, it was all Benfica from there. So what are your thoughts on this? Let's say from the outside looking in, when you see the results, I mean, I think we were all pretty surprised that Ajax didn't run away with this one. Yeah, I, I was really shocked, especially, you know, this is not a team that tends to blow leads, especially in in Europe. I think... I, I think it, 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 these games just happen, you know. Sebastian mm-hmm. Allaire will put it into his, his, his own net every once in a while, but don't worry, <laughs> he'll, he'll make up for it at the other end. Maybe it's just you need to make sure he just is in one penalty area, not the other. I, I, I think you still see in the goals, in Edson Alvarez's miss as well, you know, some of the, the clips yeah, I've yeah. seen like that, that when Ajax light it up, Benfica couldn't live with them. Um, but that maybe that they did come into this, and you could understand why, just thinking it's going to be really easy. They haven't been tested all season. And, yeah, yeah. you know, we have had to keep saying this. It all looked all the underlying numbers, the XG, the you know, Dusan Tadic's chance creation and expected assists and all that. It all looks wonderful, um, and it kind of convinces you that that this this can be good. But it you, you, they have they haven't hadn't been tested. No, I think that's true. I think in, in the end they'll have come they'll get through. I think and they'll have come out of this stronger. And it might actually be that it means they're better off when they play whichever English team or, or European superpower they end up facing. But well, I, I, well, I remember, I'm just going to jump in. I remember when they played Roma in the Europa League quarterfinals last year and Roma had no business beating them over two legs. Mm. It was, I, I actually were the better team 98% of the time, but it was when they got casual and it was in those fine margins where they just kind of shut off at the wrong time. Roma exploited that, took advantage and somehow Roma beat them over two legs. I still can't even really explain how Paulo Fonseca, the manager of the time at Roma, pulled that off. And then, of course, Roma got decimated by Man United over two legs. Well, they're actually up uh, early, and then Man United decided to switch it on and, and kind of show off their ability. But I just thought if Ajax had played over two legs against Man United, I think it would have been Ajax in the final against Villarreal last Europa League. But conversation for another time. I just There's something about this Ajax team, especially under Eric Ten Hag, which needs to be looked at because if he's going to go take a job somewhere else, there are these little tiny failures that we see along the way where what is it? Why why do they not have that that mental fortitude in those key moments to get across the finish line to beat teams that they should beat? And they should have beaten Benfica today. They have the quality. They have the identity. But Benfica came in with a little bit more energy and a little bit more like we're going to punch you in the face. And, and we want to see how you react to that. And it's not that Ajax backed off. It's just that they just... They just weren't as loud and boisterous as they once were. And also, I want to say there was a little little fight there between Darwin Nunez and, and Anthony, the Brazilian winger, who's uh, off to a tremendous career, too. Two very talented young players here. And it looked like they kind of headbutted each other. And my favorite part about this whole thing was the referee handled it great. He didn't. He could have easily gone to his pocket and given red cards to everybody, and, and that would have been kind of lame. But we've seen referees try to make it about them before, so that wouldn't have been a big surprise. But But... They're kind of going head to head, and then, then Anthony leans in, and Darwin Nunez, of course, falls back like he got shot or whatever, which is awesome. You love you love to see it. Darwin Nunez was already on a yellow, so the referee doesn't give him a yellow there, even though he could have, and he gives Anthony a yellow. Afterwards, these two guys, as they kind of come back into the scrum, because there's kind of a little bit of a scrum happening, 
these two guys just start like hugging each other and give each other like a a very uh, a loving headbutt from that point. It looked like they wanted to kiss each other. I was like, all right, the beautiful game at its at its peak right here. So it's pretty funny because I think at that time when they, you know, you lose your, you see red, right? And you lose your, your mind a little bit and you get a little emotional and you kind of forget what you're doing. You just want to beat that guy up or whatever. And then when they realize, hey, by the way, if I get a card here, I'm probably going to miss the next match. Let's just be friends. It was a really funny way to, to see. But I think it kind of, kind of was like a microcosm of the game a little bit that there was some emotion, but Benfica had more of it. And, and, and I just don't think that Ajax necessarily responded. That said, it was still a 2-2 draw. The way goals were in there. Ajax probably feeling a little bit better about this, but it isn't. They still have not lost away from home this whole season in all competitions. So I guess that mental fortitude, I, Eric Ten Hag would be like, well, you still haven't lost away from home. So mm. why don't you shut your mouth, James P. Conrad? <laughs> also, I mean, you know, look, take all the emotion out of this. Be the nerd. But then, look, Ajax are the team, of ner- the team of, that the nerds love most of all. You know, 11 shots, 2.15 expected goals. This team is making good chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep that up. And actually, I mean, Benfica's XG was pretty high for this game as well, 1.6 something. But it suggests, I mean, it, you know, I haven't seen all this game. I've only seen the clips, but, you know, sometimes we just read the data and make sure. No, well, the data is probably going to point more to Ajax, but I would say that that uh, Benfica had that like intangibles of mm. desire, right? I, they can't, there's no metric for desire currently. I'm sure they'll figure that out at Expected some point. Expected desire. <laughs> Expected desire points. All right. So before we move on, and uh, again, appreciate uh, sharing the Kegelasa podcast with you, James Bench. Let's talk about the Europa League. There's some big matchups coming tomorrow, and I didn't know if any of them jumped out at you. Uh, Real Sociedad, RB Leipzig, that's 2-2 after leg one. You have Napoli-Barcelona in Naples, that's 1-1 after leg one. That seems like the fashionable choice. Rangers with a 4-2 lead over Borussia Dortmund. Not sure if Erling Holland is going to play yet exactly. or not, but it looks exactly. like he's not slated to based on what I'm seeing. What What are the Europa League ties that you're looking most forward to, to taking in tomorrow? The Rangers Dortmund one is is really exciting for me because, you know, being Scottish football being where it is, and you can see where it is on Paramount Plus. It's not the high, the best level, but it's very fun. This would be a huge moment. I mean, we were talking about Dortmund as dark horses for the whole Champions League a little while, you know, when the season kicked off. Maybe mm-hmm. not to win it all, but you know, to go really deep into this competition for Rangers to knock them out, and that does feel more possible with yeah. Haaland either being out or. You know, I do kind of feel like he's going to Schwarzenegger Terminator, just like he might, he, might, he might be seeing his like metal under exoskeleton or whatever. You might end up seeing it, <laughs> but that he will like turn up on the pitch and you'd be like, oh, by God, it's Har- that's Harlan's music. Um, but yeah, it would just be an amazing moment for Rangers. I'm almost more excited for it because it feels like it will, um, it will happen. And I have to say this is quite something because everyone in my family or the Scottish side of my family, they're all Celtic fans. Oh, so they wow. Kill me for being excited. The <laughs> well, I'll jump in and talk about Napoli, Barcelona. Napoli are unbeaten in their last six matches, but they won their first three and now have had three consecutive one, one draws. Now Barcelona come in off a very good performance against Valencia. Aubameyang got the hat trick. I didn't know much about that third goal. You know, it looks like um, Dembele looks like he's playing with a smile on his face, maybe because he's got his old friend Aubameyang back on the team. Ferran Torres has been looking sharp. You got Adama Traore. It seems like they've started to find an identity bench going forward. Defensively, though, still a little suspect. Uh, Victor Osiman, I think, can still cause a lot of problems. You got Dries Mertens and, and Insigne, and you got all these players that, that know what they're doing. 
for Napoli. And I think they have a real identity of how they like to move on both sides of the ball under Luciano Spalletti. What do you think scoreline with regard to, to this one? Who do you think goes through between Napoli and Barcelona? I re- one all again. <laughs> then they go out penalties. Draw, we go penalties. I, I really want it. It feels too early in the year to have penalties and therefore it's like delicious bring me this february penalty shootout between barcelona and napoli it's like a like a late christmas present love it <laughs> no i love it as well it's gonna it's gonna be a good one i think you're right i think that one's a bit of a coin flip who maybe whoever scores first goes mm. on to win that game all right any final thoughts james Benj, before we bid adieu not only between each other and producer des but also to our wonderful community I'm just incredibly excited that it looks like we might get four English teams in the quarterfinals of the Champions League and then maybe four in the semifinals because, like, English yeah, football all right. is Here we go. unbeatable. It is. It is. But you know what? I will say this. I'm going to put my flag on the ground just to get you all fired up, and then I'm just going to say goodbye to everybody so you can't respond, Benj. I believe the United States of America are going to win their first World Cup before England wins their second. I said it. Thanks, everybody, for watching. <laughs> got to qualify. Like and subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on YouTube and Kegelosopod on Twitter. I'll see you guys later. I don't have anything. I don't want to listen to Ben. <laughs> what he has to say. See you guys soon. Enjoy your League tomorrow. Bye. Later. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.